1: Boom, we can't get
2: fooled again hey what's up everyone how you doing ben Kissel here hanging out with travis Irvine. hello ben and fernando hello ben today we are honored to be joined in studio somebody Whoa. actually is hanging out, out with us in real life guys can we you believe trapped it him in here. Uh, he is the author of a new book killers amidst killers hunting serial killers operating under the cloak of america's opioid epidemic he is a legend Billy Jensen is with us. Thanks for
3: being on (laughs) the show, Billy. Thank you for having me, guys. Of course, I love coming to the compound, the palatial estate. (laughs) Yeah, we (laughs) love it when
2: you come here. Yes. (laughs) So the first thing we want to talk about, obviously, we'll have a conversation about criminal justice reform, Mm -hmm. uh, how it ties into the opioid epidemic. Absolutely vital as, uh, again, the opioid epidemic continues to rage on in neighborhoods all across this country. But I want to talk about a case it is really uh, fascinating when it comes to how corrupt cops are able to literally get away with murder. Andrew Mitchell, uh, he was charged with murder and involuntary manslaughter in connection with the shooting death of a 23-year-old named Donna Castleberry. Uh, he has since uh, not been found guilty. Yes. So, Billy, can you just tell us a
3: little bit about this story and uh, yeah, why is it important? So, this was and, I, um, you know, one of the things, what just happened was there was just a mistrial on it. And I found out about the mistrial right before we were going out to watch basketball yes. together yes. and I was in, in a rage. So, that's how you guys learned about this story. <laughs> yeah, uh, Because I couldn't, you know, and I've been doing this for 25 years and I've never been more upset over a story like this. So yeah, this you is really
2: what... were like a character out of Dr. Katz. You were <laughs> Like visibly shaking Dr. And I was like But rightfully so Yes
3: <laughs> Yes. So what the deal is With this guy Is that this guy Was a vice cop In Columbus, Ohio Okay My hometown And he would um, He would Pull up uh, And, and t- To a sex worker And In a Unmarked car And flash his badge And say Alright Come with me uh-huh. And then he would Tell the women You either Have sex with me Or you go to jail Which is rape mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. That most of the women would let them, you know, because they didn't want to go to jail. Right. And this guy was acting like a complete and utter monster. Right. Now, he would do this um, over and over again. People knew about it, uh, but he picks up this 23-year-old woman named Donna Castleberry. And what he did was he drove her, and this was his thing he picked her picked her up he said he was a cop but he didn't have his police radio and he didn't have his badge okay or his id so he wasn't he doesn't have, didn't have any of that stuff which you're supposed to have right um she's driving along with him and you know he picks her up uh along the the sort of main drag where a lot of the sex workers work in Columbus, which is called sullivan uh, avenue okay and he drives her onto a side street and pulls up Next to a brick uh, building, so this is what he would do. So he would pull up really close to the passenger side, uh, uh, next to a fence or a building, so the person couldn't get out. Right, and he does his spiel of, you know, this is this is the deal. This is what's going to happen. She doesn't believe him. There's two things that you know. She says she's hurt she she uh, has heard about him before, but she's also like, let me see your IDs, let me see your credentials because. A, a, there's people killing sex workers out there. I want to know if you're really a police officer.
2: So this was so well known that within the sex work community, which is why things like Backpage are so important, uh, and which is why the shutting down of those things was was the wrong decision, because sex workers have to communicate with one another and they want to know who's safe and who's not safe. It was pervasive enough where she knew that this was the boogeyman people were talking about.
3: Yeah and so she and rightfully so is thinking i'm going to be sexually assaulted she takes a knife and stabs him in the hand she can't get out because the door is right up against a brick wall right so she the only pl- way she can get out potentially is to jump into the back seat and then try to get out the other door right she jumps into the back seat he takes out a gun and then shoots her I think he had six shots. I think he shot her. He, he hit her three times and killed her. Now, um, this is he he goes to trial in Columbus. I believe the jury was deadlocked at like seven, five, seven, four that it, he was that this was justified. Wow. Now, th- there had been uh, plenty of um, uh, cases against him that had been internal affairs against him for doing this kind of thing before the murders. Apparently they weren't allowed to talk about that at the trial. Mm. Wow. So, uh, but it just, you know, everybody knew this guy, everybody that this this guy definitely is a killer. He killed her in cold blood. And there's two reasons, obviously, why I was so upset that day. There was the first reason was that it happened. Right. And right. then the second one was that the prosecuting office sent out a press release. At, you know, six o'clock at night, you know, like typical, you know, uh, and said words to the effect of they use this word. We we are going to continue to work on on having finality in this matter. And that made me think that they're going to try and just sweep it, sweep it or Mm. just walk away from it or something. I mean, the guy does have federal charges against him for other things. Mm. But I mean, come on. And, that was
2: Prosecutor Cheryl Pritchard.
3: Yeah. Um, and she, you know, it, as far as all of these uh, these um, the cases go, the reason why I got involved in Columbus, Ohio, is that in 2000, I think it was maybe 17, I learned about uh, these two girls, women, who were sex workers, who were best friends, mothers of two, lived in the same house, and both went missing, and then were found murdered on the outskirts of town, out in the in the fields of uh, Fairfield County, which is right yeah, next right to right Columbus. Yeah. And I went to investigate that story, which I thought was all right. That there's something, you know, strange there, mm-hmm. obviously, and you want to, you know, try and solve it. And I was doing that for a TV show called Crime Watch Daily, which was on for three years from Warner Brothers. I when I when I went there, the house that they were living in was a house called. The home for lost children. And it was just, that's what they called it. It was just where this one guy would just let people live there. Okay. And, um, I'm talking to some of them, uh, these people and then, um, their best friend comes out and her name was Cece, and she looked like a girl you would see at the mall, you know, and she's, you know, I'm talking to her and she's just like, you know, I know, you, you know, yeah, that she, you know, they were my best friends I love them. And I said, well, does this give you any pause for getting into a car? And she said, yeah, but I have to because I'm a drug addict. Hmm. And I was like, right then that hit me harder than anything that ever hit me in all of journalism that I've ever done before. So I was like, I went, I went home. There was another thing that happened too. So that hit me. And I was just like, am I talking to the next victim potentially? Oh yeah. And then I went home, but before I went home... The father of Danielle Green, who was one of the two women that were were killed, drove me past a house, and he said, "Yeah, that's a, a, another woman who went missing, and her name is Jamie Bowen." And it was like it felt like you know how in the beginning of Lost Boys when they they end up in that in that town and there's all these missing persons posters yeah. and it was like what the mm-hmm. hell so is like it's like what's going on here. So yes. when I go back uh, to back to Los Angeles and I start you know doing research and I realize there's a lot of missing and murdered women in Columbus and then in Middletown. Mm -hmm. And then we had heard about Chillicothe before, but, and, um, and in Dayton, all in Southern Ohio, what's going on there. And, um, you know, recognizing this cycle of, uh, opioids, Mm. sex work and murder yeah.
2: and so do wow. you speculate then andrew mitchell was responsible for those murders or is this something
3: no i mean no i mean listen i will speculate that the police department's responsible for those murders because they just don't they they didn't care right and they weren't investigating. it's kind of like with you know the other case that i've done that was you know merges a little bit which is long island serial killer case mm-hmm. now long island serial killer case which i did on a um a podcast and a show for discovery plus called unraveled And the one of the things that we learned is that the chief of police um, liked to uh, be with sex workers, liked drugs, was a bad guy and didn't want anybody sniffing around his dirty laundry. Mm. So he actually, you know, when they find the bodies on Gilgo Beach, he, he when he becomes chief of police the next year, he kicks the the FBI out of the investigation. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. He kicks the most sophisticated crime solving force in the history of the world. And he says, no, go away. And, you know, that was just indicative of you in a microcosm of how certain members of law enforcement really feel about sex workers and, right, right. and how they've they been termed. There's a term out there called the, they're the lesser dead. Yes. Ooh. We were
2: speaking with Lenora Clare last week and uh, we were talking about how ingrained in society this corruption is. From your experience as a journalist, as a reporter, as an investigator, when it comes to police, um, when it comes to the blue wall of silence, hmm. how... how uh, how pervasive is this is this something that happens more regularly than we want to think about
3: oh absolutely uh, this is happening all the time and the you know and and the the people that i'm talking about are, are, are actually white i yeah. mean mm. you can just imagine you know when we're talking about people of color mm-hmm. yeah the blue wall is there um they are and especially when you look at a place like um when thinking about long island where the lobby is so, you know, that vote, the you know, getting the, getting the police union yeah. vote and the police union is so powerful. And, you know, whenever we're talking about all of these budgets and we talk about yeah. how big the budgets are, a big part of the budgets are the pensions. And the pensions mm-hmm. come from, you know, it's just like imagine, you know, we don't see pen- pensions is not a thing we have anymore as people. Right. Like, mm-hmm. we you know, but, um, you know, except if you're in civil service that's what's going on is that, that you know the pensions and the overtime and all of that that's where all that money is going into
4: mm-hmm.
3: and um that that they they are so connected and so and the politicians are so afraid of losing that endorsement right. losing that vote that they're going to look the other way and if it mm. just starts with something that small then that opens the floodgates for everything
2: and then when mm. it comes to you man that's uh was it opioids that this woman Uh, Was that the drug of choice, heroin and things like that? So this is why she said she has to get into these cars. Uh, Can you kind of talk a little bit how it overlaps? So we have, you know, corrupt officers like Andrew Mitchell. And then, of course, we have corrupt big pharma, which uh, oftentimes gets people hooked on opioids. And then maybe they lose their insurance, whatever it might be. They're out of pills And next thing you know, they have to get it off the street, which, of course, is immensely dangerous. And it only becomes more dangerous every day because of fentanyl. So what's the Venn diagram of members of society that we just don't want to think about, whether it be sex workers, uh, especially sex workers who might be addicted to drugs and and law enforcement? How how do they all intertwine?
3: You know, they intertwine because they're all doing... (laughs) You know, because sex work is still not decriminalized, um, would that you know, be what you would prefer—decriminalized or legalized? Decrim, okay. Decrim. Uh, I've talked to a lot of sex workers, and okay. they just feel that decrim is better than than legalized. Hmm. And you know, it's—you know—it's interesting. I actually have a quote from Dave Chappelle in the book. Because you know Dave Chappelle's talking about because he's in Ohio, you know, right? And yeah. he's around the Dayton area. Yeah, and he was talking about how you know the he he would see. I think uh, an opioid addict once broke into his house. I believe that. Yeah, and he would see this, and he's talking about how you know this is a sickness. This is not you know. And he was really empathetic, and yeah. it's just like you know what this reminds me of. This was what was going on with black people with crack,
5: right? Oh, but wow. We
3: didn't, you know, nobody called it a sickness then, you right? Know? So mm-hmm. I think the thing that is going to bridge the gap between uh you know sort of the empathy of people and this is really a sad way to do it is the fact that we've had more overdoses in the last 12 months than we've ever had before. It's so we, bad. We're over a hundred thousand. Right. Geez. And it was hovering around seventy-five thousand now. And I almost hesitate to call them overdoses because a lot of it is fentanyl. It's not like somebody went and said, I'm going to do a bunch of drugs. And if I die, I die.
2: Yeah. I've heard people call it accidental poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like poisoning
3: overdose because when you have a, you know, I think it was New Hampshire might've put out a. A a graphic Mm -hmm. of I don't know if you've ever seen it, which is how much heroin can kill you in a in a in a little vial, Mm -hmm. and then how much fentanyl can kill you. And the heroin was like, you know, it was maybe like a half inch was a substantial amount. A noticeable amount. Noticeable amount. The fentanyl was like eight grains of sand. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. That was it. And it's not just, you know, we heard the story of the comedians who were who were doing coke. And somebody
4: had laced it with fentanyl and two, I think three of them died. Yeah, I think three out of of the the four four died. That is why Mac Miller died. The pills were laced with fentanyl. And he was used to taking these pills. You know, he was a, he was a quote unquote responsible drug user in his own right. And had there not been fentanyl in those pills, he would have been alive. So he he got those probably from off the street. Yeah. Yeah, uh, The guy just got 11 years actually,
3: because that's the thing. It's like, and you think like when you're looking at, at, when you look at Coke, you're just like, anything could be in Coke. And we know right. it. It's like baby, baby powder, powder. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's everything. Um, horse dewarmer, all that. <laughs> oh, fun. uh, it, sure. but This then, is why I feel great.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> but then Worm Coke, freeze. Rate, but, it's 99. But, yeah.
3: But then when you look at, at a pill, it's almost like, mm. oh, this looks like a pill that you would right. get. And, and then if you, then if you get it off the street, it's just like, oh, somebody must have just gone to a pill mill or somebody mm-hmm. had... You know has been going to four different doctors and getting them and then selling them as a side project but no some of them there is a chemist that's doing it and and giving it a little bit extra kick and throwing the fentanyl in there um so their stuff is better right and we're not actually talking about chemists that went to harvard we're talking about guys (laughs) that are you know just so you've got this self-taught chemist he's got this uh, horrific problem and i do get into a little bit actually the uh the the big pharma and how the, the sacklers and 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 how they were responsible in the same way, almost, you know, like looking at big pharma and big tobacco, Mm you know, mm -hmm. but the crazy thing is, is like big tobacco, that was more, it was recreational. It was just like, okay, smoke Lucky Strikes. It's toasted, you know, that kind of thing. Um, This was supposed, they were supposed to be doing, creating something that was supposed to help people who, who, who were sick. Right. Or in and, pain. And or in, yeah. And they just completely. And those commercials, uh,
2: those commercials from the 90s. It's not addictive whatsoever. And oh, it sure. was just absolutely disgusting. And they knew exactly what they were doing. So when it comes to leverage, people who are addicted to drugs, police officers, do the police officers use that leverage uh, either by giving them drugs or saying we're not going to report you for drugs if you do the things that Andrew Mitchell was I mean, they, forcing very well, these people to do.
3: I mean that's certainly one of the things that Andrew Mitchell did. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And I'm sure that, that I mean I've heard stories of that, that that have gone on before, sure.
5: Right. And that's actually probably a good place to interject about the entire Columbus Police Department's vice squad which mm-hmm. Andrew Mitchell was a part of. They also got in trouble and it was national news uh for slapping uh, Stormy Daniels. Oh, this is on the Stormy Daniels story. Yeah. And the strip club which was yeah. obviously a hit job by this vice department Eventually, because of the Andrew Mitchell case and Stormy Daniels, oddly enough, yeah. uh, the Columbus Police Department ended the vice squad entirely. Yeah. Uh, do you kind of go into that in your book? Or how does Andrew um, yeah, Mitchell relate to all No, I, I, all, I do. No, I do
3: absolutely. You no, know, I do go into that. And it was, you know, it's the fact that, you know, that I, I get into the, the story about Stormy Daniels and it just showed that, you know, you've got while uh, sex workers are being murdered. Yeah. You've got these four... Uh, uh, vice cops that are going into a club trying to bust Stormy Dan Right, trying right. to make something happen. Trying to make something happen yeah. when maybe they should be trying to solve or help solve. They're not homicide, but maybe they they should be trying to do something to help solve these homicides. Do
2: you think we need vice squads? I mean, Columbus, yeah. Ohio. It just was there that much was vice there? going on. Well, uh,
5: that's the thing. I mean, we also had Columbus police officers arrested within the last year for selling fentanyl. They were distributing mm-hmm. the fentanyl, so it ties into this whole conversation about corrupt
3: cops getting yeah. away with things and how this feeds up to your prosecutors mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Well, yeah, and, and whenever you see, especially if you watch any, you know, noir movies of or course. anything like vice is always the place where because that's the that's the den of you know sin it's right you've got gambling you've got sex work and you've got drugs and mm. illegal alcohol you mm. know what I mean so that makes for an exciting you... plot <laughs> sure yeah yeah I mean remember remember like uh in in LA confidential uh, yeah Jack Vincennes is bumped down to vice uh, from homicide, you know, because he did some did something bad. You know? That's right. So, I mean, when
2: it comes to the prosecutor in the case, we're just going to focus on the Andrew Mitchell case, and you can extrapolate that. Um, obviously, it's unique, but sadly, not that unique. It's hard for a prosecutor to prosecute a cop, right? Because haven't they been working together for all of these years? They know each other. And if you're a prosecutor, what do you... Um, how systemic is the issue, or why is it so difficult to prosecute a police officer Even from within, if you're a prosecutor, it's got to be a little bit, you know, foreign.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, no, it's right. I mean, think about how foreign it is to be in in, internal affairs, you know, Mm -hmm. think about how you're the guy. uh, There's a there's a section of the police department that is just supposed to be looking at the at the bad police. And think about that in any normal job. There's not really that, you know, you don't have a I mean, maybe like I'm trying to think of like I worked at newspapers and maybe that's what sort of editors were kind of like just to make sure you don't screw up. But right the, the internal affairs, it was a little bit more than that because they were literally investigating and that's what that's what they do. So um yeah, it's it's it, in, until you have something like um in you know an independent, you know, sort of yeah task force or something like that in major cities um, yeah, these guys do work together because right. you know when you're trying to build a case and building a case is. You know, you have to work with the DA uh, and the prosecutors because you have to make sure, especially in this day and age, make sure that your case, your murder case or whatever is, is so buttoned up Mm -hmm. and you did everything by the book because defense lawyers will come and and pick apart your case.
5: Yeah, that that actually reminds me because in 2020, that's the first time uh, Franklin County, where Columbus, Ohio is located, actually got a Democratic County Prosecutor again, mm-hmm. uh, Gary Tyack was just mm-hmm. elected. But before that, it was twenty-four years of a Republican named Ron O'Brien, and he was deep in the pocket of FOP, and he never tried cops. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting to see this case go to a mistrial because, in theory, we got Democrats in the County Prosecutor's Office of Franklin County who you would think would be able to nail these things. But even Is it then, really that it hyper-partisan? Becomes, Uh well, in Ron O'Brien's case, yeah, he was, it was bought and sold by the FOP, and and it was and what's one of the FOP? Old- FOP is a fraternal order of police. Got it. Yeah. And that is, um, you know, that is essentially Ron O'Brien kept that office safe for cops for 24 years mm. and is one of the only offices the Republicans controlled in Franklin County until 2020. So, but even then, with Democratic prosecutors who say they're going to start uh, cracking down on cop related crime, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: it's still difficult. Yeah. No, it is. And it's, you know, the, and the, the, the other big problem is we literally have half as many journalists as we had 20 years ago. Right. Mm. So there's the, the watchdogs of the fourth estate, which is what journalism is supposed to be. Absolutely. Is smaller and smaller. And on the national level, you know, yes, you have New York Times, Washington Post. They're there. They've got they've got people there. Uh, it's the local stuff that, that's mm-hmm. happening. And, and yeah. you know, Trump. as I go through and there's a part in the book where I'm looking, I'm sitting with Thomas Hargrove is a guy that runs the Murder Accountability Project. So he has a nationwide database of murders. And you're able to say, I want to find every woman who was murdered with a knife in Ohio from 19... 19- 99 to 2006 or something. Wow. And some of them are in there and some of them aren't. It just depends on who has actually, if the police departments have entered the data in and going through that, you know, he, he didn't have a a couple of the ones that I had had and he did have some that I didn't have. And that's how I was able to identify Hmm. that, that there were murdered, there were unsolved uh, uh, murdered women in some of these areas and be able to go and talk to their families and and their friends and learn their stories. But the fact that, you know, I do searches right now for sex workers uh, that have murdered and sometimes like I'll I'll know the name, I'll find it, I'll find the initial story on it and then there's no follow up. Hmm. So then I'm I'm it's like, you know, what, it's probably unsolved and nobody's sticking with it and then it's just it's done. It's done. Yeah.
2: I would like to publicly say when I search for sex workers they're alive. Oh, oh god, that's nice. Absolutely. But that's good. <laughs> I
4: I have a question <laughs> about about Andrew Mitchell while we're on it. So I in my opinion, I would have expected a mistrial. I mean, the only cases that I can think of where a cop faced maybe the consequences is derek chauvin and kim potter sure. i mean what other cases can i think where a, a police officer faced the consequence well they fa- faced the consequence and that actually came out of it okay
3: mm-hmm. yeah i mean we're we're a society where everything from you know the 41 shots case in new mm-hmm. york to um you know obviously rodney king you know mm-hmm. it's it's you think that the tide would turn, but it's also and this is one of the things that I tell people, I told these people in my first book, if you ever say no to jury duty, you can never, ever complain about anything <laughs> in true crime. Mm. Go to jury duty. I can't because they as soon as they know what I do that
5: I'm gone. Right. Yeah. I, I put on my form that I'm a libertarian and I think a lot of things should be legal. They're like,
2: all right, you just get sit, them out of here. There. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, Brianna Taylor comes to mind as well with no
0: knock Warren.
2: Billy Jensen, killers amidst killers, hunting serial killers, operating under the cloak of America's opioid epidemic. Check this book out as soon as it's available. So I guess the uh, question that I have is, how do we start? Where do we begin? Where do
3: we begin? Where do we begin criminal
2: justice reform? We talk about it ad nauseum. Do we start with Uh, decriminalization? Billy, (laughs) you answer. I don't know. Yeah, I I,
3: I mean... (laughs) Uh, we start a with paying attention. It's like, as I was yeah. writing the, the book and, um, you know what it was, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of definitely bleak parts to it, right. but the thing is, is to get involved in a local, local level. And I think one of the things that is happening is that yes, mainstream media won't cover these cases, but why? Po- podcasts are starting to, because mainstream media, it is? mainstream media doesn't care about uh, sex workers being murdered because it's not relatable or or poor people. Even. They're or, not, they're, they they're,
4: a separate class and they're still a separate class. Sex like, workers are still 11
5: o'clock class. news. I mean, the Andrew Mitchell stuff was all over the That'll news be, Well, that's a that's a, cop, yeah, exactly. but that's
3: a, that's a cop killing a sex worker, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, like Danielle and Lindsay that, that got, you know, very little play, um, it, you know, there's, and, and everybody else that since then, or if, I mean, especially not only that, you've got so many people that are, uh, that, that have gone missing that mm-hmm. some of them very well may be, um, may be dead. But we just don't, we just don't know. Yeah, it's just not covered. It's not covered in the same way that, um, you know, when we see those, those true crime cases, since we're, we're talking about true crime that capture the public's imagination, it's the Gabby Petito case. It's, Mm, um, right. It's not that that case case. doesn't warrant attention. No, it absolutely Um, does. And you have to do it. It's not an either or, it's an an and. Mm, and. Right. And, um. That's the one thing that, you know, because a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, this is missing white woman syndrome. Why why aren't you covering these cases? It's not a, oh, you can't cover the yes. cover, cover all of them, you know? Yeah. And that's the responsibility now, um, unfortunately, because there is no, you know, there's so few journalists out there right now. And there's so few. I mean, you pick up some of these, A, half the papers are literally gone. Like right. the mm-hmm. newspapers are gone. Yeah, right, Gone. And then the other papers that are around are like, I've picked up some pages, papers that are like 24 pages, you know? Yeah, Sure. Mm-hmm. And, well, and a just, lot of them are owned by out-of-town companies and entities anyway. Oh, yeah, like Gannett. Well, a, a lot of times when you, you pick up a local newspaper, it's like so many stories from USA Today. Exactly, you know, They're just yeah, yeah. trying to fill it in. And then yeah. don't think that like, uh, oh, well, everything's online or whatever, thing like that. You know, we really did, as somebody that went through it in newspapers, you know online you just can't make the, the amount of money in order to pay people um, right. you know at a, at, a, at a scale especially in a small town you know mm-hmm. what yeah. what what advertising are you going to get you know right it's just all not, paywalls there. now that's
5: and unfortunately, that. and that's
3: really bad too because cuz the, then people can't read the news the paywalls and i understand why but the paywalls create a system of um a class system mm. of that people are that that have money are willing to get the are able to get the information yeah. and people that don't can't get the information, right?
2: It's, which is awful. Yeah. Speaking of information, what information would you give to people who are in the sex work industry uh, when it comes to protecting themselves from these predators? Like what? How? How do we? How, how do they? You know, even grasp how how much danger are they in and how do they is there any way that we could prevent uh, the, the these se- horrible things from happening
3: yeah the sex work industry yes you know, when you know you have that show deadliest catch and they, yeah. they say that that's the most dangerous profession it's not <laughs> yeah. Fisher, no seriously fishermen versus sex workers sex workers are in way more danger and have uh, such a higher rate of uh higher uh, death rate not only um you know that's Forget about injury and assault and everything like that. Just death rate. You know, what can you do? It it is a um, it's a profession that is in the dark. Um, It was it had gotten into the light a little bit Mm -hmm. with the Internet. And the government shut that down.
2: Can you explain a little bit when it comes to legislation uh, as far as the politics of sex work with Backpage and things like that? Um, I know uh, Kamala Harris was pushing hard to get rid of it. And they used the guys. Same thing with Apple when they were like, we're going to look at everything in your phone because pedophilia. And everyone's like, yeah, we don't like pedophilia. That is bad. And of course, that was a similar trope that they used when it comes to back page. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit why you disagree with that or if you disagree with that legislation and why?
4: Yeah. Can I add to that? Uh, why decriminalization versus legalization of sex work?
3: That's you know, life. you know what? That is that's a better question for sex workers. I just, you know, I follow a lot of the sex workers who are activists mm-hmm. and okay. they go they go into it a lot harder. I just okay. know that that that's the uh, that's that's the key to it is decrim, mm-hmm. uh, at, le- at least to start with. Uh, when it ca- when well, it you came... know the
2: government's going to take
3: their taxes. Well, actually, I think yeah. that's probably yeah. like and then they got some regulation. I think that's, I mean, look at weed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's probably one of the reasons that it, that it comes comes down to that. But yeah, no. So I mean, full disclosure, I actually know the guys that ran Backpage, and um, the uh, and I worked at a I worked at that company. Uh, and on the newspaper side, because it was the alternative journalists, yeah. you know, Village Voice and mm-hmm. LA Weekly. And that's where you used to find, uh, massage, uh, people and, and sex workers back then. And then they they just moved it online. And the problem was, is that, and you're exactly right. They went to the idea of, of child trafficking. Mm-hmm. And that's what, it, that's what they focused on. And obviously on. everyone's against that. Yes. Right. So every, so the, and it's, it's a hard, that's hard to fight against because, because there are examples of that. It, of certainly, it happens. So when you have when you're up against that, it's very easy to to for a uh, a community where the only people that are fighting against that are sex workers. Right. And you ask any sex worker, and they'll say like, "We wish Backpage was still mm-hmm. around." And my biggest thing with Backpage when I would tell people is this: it's like, you, you know, the women can screen their clients. But also, if something bad does happen, the police can um, subpoena and get an IP address, mm. and they will be answered right away. You get rid of Backpage; it's going to go to a company in, you know, God, Uzbekistan no or something. Yeah. Mm. And good luck trying to get an IP address and tracking down who that person is. Mm. You know, so um, they were trying to work with law enforcement, and it's a it's a big it's a big case. I mean, the case is is still going back and forth, and yeah. Yeah. When do you when
2: politicians, there's this guy Caruso. They always sound like made up characters here in Los <laughs> Angeles. Everyone running for office. This guy's running for mayor and his thing is tough on crime. Now, if you are a sex worker, you're a crime. Right. Mm-hmm. So what is the when you hear stuff like that coming from our political class? What do you think? Because a lot of people are like, yeah, we want to clean up crime. And I think a lot of people are. Maybe they think about it in like we don't want people stealing. We don't want people, you know, <laughs> yeah. siphoning gas out of my truck. right? Whatever. But in reality, this is a crime. Yeah. Uh, because it's not decriminalized mm-hmm. and these people are the ones who are basically the the ping pong balls in this
3: political volley. Yeah, when you when you talk about uh, you know tough on crime, particularly in Los Angeles. So Los Angeles is a case where um, we have a, a very large, uh, house, houseless population. Yeah. Then we also have, um, a lot of these, uh, follow home, uh, robberies mm. where the, mm-hmm. w- which have gotten a lot of play because what they're doing is, uh, the gangs are, are out uh, outside of nice restaurants and clubs at downtown mm. and in Bev Hills or whatever they see somebody walking out and getting into a Tesla or getting into a Rolls and they're wearing a a Rolex mm-hmm. and then they follow them home and then they rob them damn hmm. and that's been there's been hundreds of those yes as
2: long as they don't follow me from Taco Bell I'll be okay <laughs> you don't have a Rolex nah that's true
3: yeah. <laughs> so then they um so you could see why and then so you know we've seen this 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 switch that has happened you know we were very much because and and if you talk to any police officer about why the murder rate just spiked because it yeah. did it spiked like it's the biggest spike in the history of of recording Damn. of of, the, of murder rates yeah we're up over 2000 murders uh we're not at the levels that we were at in 1993 but from going you know when it was bad really really bad but when it was, um, you know, the the increase has, yeah. is the biggest it's ever been. Right. And may I and ask why? Yeah, they're, they'll say, oh, it's because of BLM. They'll of, say because of BLM of And, and the defund and, the police. Defund and the police. And the
4: homeless. Oh and, and the and they, I, I've yeah. heard that and so they many want times from cops, you know, and, more and it's
3: like, and I've got to, you know, it's just, you know, you, you fight with cops about that a little bit here or there. And then you're just right. kind of like, come on, you know, it's, uh, you know, because I got to work with cops all the time. Right. And you never want to get into, you know, not everything can be a political discussion about it. But, yeah, no, they'll point to that.
2: And, of course, the defund the police, I think there was some misguided rhetoric. uh, But I feel like what we have to do is properly allocate the funds that the police have. Well, yeah. So what would you like to see in a perfect Billy Jensen world? Hmm. Obviously, I'm a beautiful woman. Hello, Billy. And
4: the perfect, <laughs> Billy.
5: Just the world. You give we him a, a magic uh, wand. Got got hockey, hockey yeah. on TV. <laughs> uh, hockey <laughs> everywhere.
2: But, yeah, hockey is the only sport the only that's sport. allowed. It's the only sport. <laughs> and Billy's the best player on, and the, the, on best the ice. Play?
5: Yes. And everyone talks like they're from Long Island. Oh, oh, Long that's yes. great. Yeah. So what, Billy Jensen. What, world.
2: What would you like to see when it comes to the funds? Where would they? Where would you like them to be allocated? Because they, as Travis just said, with the, uh, with the funding, it is only going up. Joe Biden made that very clear in the State right. of the Union. Mm-hmm. Refund, uh, and what would you like to see the money spent on? Because right now, with the 1033 program, these freaking precincts are getting tanks, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, they're getting military
3: goods, yeah, um, that shit ain't cheap, man. yeah, obviously not. Th- and they'll come back and they'll say, but that was what do they say? That was from the army. You know, those are surplus and from the it, army. Yeah. And we got, well, why we, we paid for that yeah. though. At some point we <laughs> right. paid for that <laughs> army stuff. All tax paid, paid So, for. but when, you know, I would like to see, um, not everybody is using genetic genealogy to solve crimes. Uh, so when mm. you've got serial rape, um, when you've got, you know, one of the things I'd like to see is this, you've got you know, a lot more money in the laps. You've got, a lot of these cities now that were banging you know, you know pounding their chest saying we cleared our our rape kit backlog it's like okay right cleared the rape kit backlog what does backlog. that mean which means that they had 50,000 rape kits in a in a storage locker and they weren't processing them for years and years and years right and then people started writing about them it was Mm -hmm. a big thing uh rachel Desell in uh from cleveland plain dealer she was um one of the people that really broke that out and then it became a big thing so and the backlog yeah what are you doing now though okay so you've got that are you using genetic genealogy in order to find those people starting with maybe the serial cases and then and then working back from there uh there's a lot of cases that are out there that the police don't utilize the um, uh, uh, the media as much as they should. Uh, there needs to be a better uh, understanding between the two because it's still very adversarial. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's just the one thing that I that I hope for and hope for within this entire like the true crime genre and everything yeah. is that we're kind of tr- training people. For it's not going to be fixed in this generation or the next generation. Maybe one down the line, it's just like it's, right. there's going to be a little bit more empathy for these people mm, and Gen you know, Z writing, too. Yeah, yeah, and you know, writing this book and and just trying to make these women tell their stories in a way that this could have happened to anybody. Yeah. You know, this was somebody that was on this path that they were a swimmer that they were like everything was okay, and then. All it takes is meeting the wrong guy or, or getting an injury and then Mm. getting uh, addicted to the pills. And then it, it just takes something small yeah. and everybody and and what's going to happen and how people are going to start, um, acknowledging this and having empathy for it is that more and more people are going to know people who have died from overdoses,
4: Yeah, which which is happening Mm -hmm. now. Absolutely. Which is literally what's happening now, which is why the awareness, I think, is is real, yeah. especially now that look, what you mentioned used to be people of color. Now it's white kids dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, like so. My friend
3: Michelle McNamara, who wrote um, "I'll Be Gone in the Dark," you know, yes. she she passed from a combination of of pills. Uh, you know, it's just everybody is going to have one of those stories. Mm. Absolutely, and then when when it goes from there then we have to do something about it. Now, how do we get rid of it?
2: It's still surprisingly slow, which again, just shows you the power of these institutions.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you jumped
5: into this story in 2017 and and tracking the girls throughout Southern Ohio, and and we had a huge opioid epidemic. When I ran for governor of Ohio in 2018, it was the number one issue I heard from Mm -hmm. everyone from Lake Erie to the Ohio River, just about having family members who had overdosed. I mean, Dayton had so many overdoses, the morgue was
3: overfilled with corpses and they had to rent ice boxes. The Mm. opioid epidemic was the biggest problem in America. And then the pandemic happened. Mm. I mean, it was, Mm, it was huge and now it's coming back, but it's sort of like, you know, you've got the pandemic where a million Americans have died. And now you're saying, well, a hundred people, a hundred thousand people died from those numbers were would be mind blowing 2 years ago yeah, but I we just it. went through this pandemic and
2: it's happening every year this well, opioid epidemic oh it's and just
3: it's go- it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and a lot of it is you know you talk about deaths of despair yeah deaths of despair are suicide um uh, deaths from alcohol related and um, and drug overdoses and those are skyrocketing mm, right and um you know we're in a place right now where where there's a lot of Um, you know, it's 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 just hard to walk around, you know, these days as a person. And it's 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 just going to get worse. And here's the 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 crazy thing is that we're coming out of a time of, you know, relative, yeah, we came out of the pandemic, but everybody, um, you know, the economy was pumped in with a lot of money and everything. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting to a point where people are like we're running out of money, like on, on and as a, you know, people around the kitchen table, that kind of mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get, we're going to get to a point then when um you're you're going to add all of these, the social things that are happening, the addiction thing that's happening, and then we're going to get into some economic nightmares. And mm-hmm. uh, it's and when you're gonna, in
2: uh, economic distress, perhaps you're more willing to put yourself at risk.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you to make wanna, ends meet. You, yeah. You know, to, 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 to put yourself at risk to make ends meet you know, uh, take a pill because, you know, you want to just right. not, mm-hmm. you want to turn your brain off because mm-hmm. it feels like the world is coming down on you. So, yeah. um, you know, with this, there was one part of this when I was, um, interviewing these, uh, I went to a halfway house and it was full of these, these women. And this woman said that, you know, I had had narcan given to me like seven times they had the they had the body bag after me once oh Oh my god God. and and i said and then and i was asking her about other people as well like people that that but she had had actually turned her life around and but she was um she had just talked about she had just done her first crown because she was like uh, practicing to be a dental hygienist it was like great and she was talking about other people i was like well does everybody Carry around Narcan, and and with this certain group of people, she's just like, no, that should be number one. And but then she said that you know what, it's not like they're trying to die, but they're if it happens, it happens because right. they're just mm. tired, you Ooh, know. Wow. Yeah.
0: Across America, BP supports more than two hundred seventy five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio, and VR training
1: platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
2: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to
3: develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
3: Wow. And that was, that was so, so sad, Mm. you know politically who can
2: we turn to is there anybody that that you think is doing a good job cuz you know with obviously Donald Trump it was a uh, you know triggering for a lot of folks he's such a you know a scumbag and all that but the Stormy Daniel stuff and talking about sex work, there was a lot of people on the left who were demonizing sex workers and a lot of people who are uh, prudish all around, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so you have your evangelical right, you have some f- factions of the left that are, you know, suburban people or whatever it might be, putting their nose up at sex workers. Is there any politician or any political ideology know, that is kind of like
3: the closest ring thing and true right now? The closest now? thing is libertarianism, you know? Wow. And of course
2: it's innately, it's innately flawed because if you're truly libertarian, you don't vote.
3: Right.
5: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's like Doug Stanhope used to say, the most libertarian election will be one where no one
3: votes and there's a zero confidence vote in the government. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's the problem is that we know that it is, uh, it's a, it's an, it's literally the world's oldest profession. We talk about that. It is, Mm -hmm. you know, this is it. Uh, It ain't going away. The whole idea of trying to shame people and shame men for trying to, you know what? That doesn't work. Nothing works. Okay. This is a thing that is, is here. It's never going to go away. Stop trying to, yes, we, you know, the things that we definitely have to um, fight against are exploitation Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. sex trafficking and, and kids, absolutely absolutely but when when you're a um, whether you're a high-end escort or whether you're um on the street you know both of those should be afforded the same protections yeah. and certainly you know just the, the Andrew Mitchell case is just a a, a it, it's an explosive oh. example of how you know the rest of society and the rest of the police force deals with sex workers
5: right yeah. and could we mm. even highlight county prosecutors as well i mean how important are those races i think during the the george floyd right. mm-hmm. uh protest that really started to become apparent how important county prosecutors are uh, attorney generals i Amanda know what
2: arbury mm-hmm. uh, that was Unbelievable uh, explosive because right? the county prosecutor was buddies with them, with the cops,
5: the former cops. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of political ideologies, yeah, or getting it right, yay, libertarianism, love it. <laughs> but what are some county prosecutors around the country that are maybe doing it right? Some counties better than others, um, and just the importance of that
3: office to make sure. All people, including cops, face consequences. Classic liberalism. Yeah, no, it, it has to be something that that is asked, you know, what, do you, what are your positions on um, on drug, uh, uh, you know, how we are uh, dealing with the drug issue and, you know, decriming the drug issue. And we still have a huge problem in our jails with people yes. that were just caught with possession, you know, which is insane. We still have so many people that were caught with possession with weed, which is now a billion dollar industry. (laughs) You know what I mean? mean, Can you
2: imagine rotting away in jail right now? And, and and your buddies are making bank, right? Selling the same stuff you're in there for. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And same stuff that you weren't even necessarily selling. You were, you were just using, you know, and you just, you were just there for possession. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a big issue. It definitely got, particularly with the opioid uh, epidemic, it definitely got derailed because of the pandemic, but we knew what was going to happen. And and actually what happened was, is that during something like the pandemic, suicides actually went down in the beginning because Mm -hmm. everybody was kind of banding together. It's just like we are being attacked by something and if there's something bigger, um, but we knew that with the isolation and everything that was coming from that, Uh, we just knew that like when the numbers were going to come out that the, um, you know, that plus all the fentanyl coming in, the numbers are going to skyrocket and they're just going to keep going. And, you know, you take a look at, um, it's like somebody will, will, will die from fentanyl. And then it's just like, Oh, you know, we kind of just, you know, shrug our shoulders and say, you know, that sucks. And, uh, something's gotta be done somehow, you know, as far as when it comes to politics go, I have no idea. Well, when Mm -hmm. it
2: comes to mainstream media, I mean, you know, they have ads to run. And there's a lot Mm -hmm. of ads from those companies that are killing a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact it's killed Prince and Tom Petty. We talk about some celebrities that people love. It's just killed so many people, opioids, that is. Yeah. And nothing has changed. When My final question that I have for you is about trust uh obviously the sex work community probably has very little to zero trust in law enforcement because it doesn't seem as if they're there to help correct but is there any way that because I, I think as a society mm. both in a neighborly perspective uh there's an arms race in every suburb in this country people are just collecting guns getting yeah. ready for the revolution and so are the police <laughs> and so are the police it's it's so gnarly but is there what steps do you think we could take to have more trust between police sex workers, and the community as a whole?
3: Yeah, I think it comes to community outreach. And I think, you know, some of the people that I talk to in the book um, do outreach and they, you know, there's a... Uh, uh, there there are centers that are set up that at least there's a bit of an anchor for some of these women to go to, mm. uh, and whether they can go there, they're they're trying to set one up that that will be there twenty four seven. But you know, it was open a couple nights a week, and the the women knew that they could go there, talk to people, yeah, uh, uh, get a get a hot meal and that that sort of thing. It's just like if you're in your you know your neck of the woods and you want to help you know, just volunteer for a little bit for that, you know, and you'll feel, you know, they always sit, talk about volunteering and volunteering does a lot more for you than it does for other people. You know, it makes you feel really good. And that's one of the places that you can go to. And the more people that we start having to do that, and then maybe they go to a dinner table and then they're talking to somebody, their, their brother who might be a cop and then it goes from there. You, you know, because I mean? it's mm-hmm.
2: such an interesting relationship, especially that you have with police, because obviously you have to work with police. And of course, we want the police to solve serial crimes and murder, <laughs> yeah, and rape right? And all of these things. We want those to be solved. But then we also have the perspective of, you know, the corruption and things like that. So you have to kind of marry these two ideas. So you have to work with cops, um, but then also you're trying to hold them accountable. So that's kind of a strange little marriage that you have. You know, with the institution as a whole. So, how
3: do you manage that? Well, there's, there's, you know, there's two ways to solve crimes there's actually going and solving it. Um, which is one of the things that I was doing in Chase Darkness with me, where I was just like, you know, there's there's a case, I'm going to use social media and Target buys, and I'm going to, you know, work with the cops. But then there's also holding the people accountable. And when you see how much of an investigation has been screwed up, like we did with Long Island Serial Killer, Mm -hmm. or like we did with this one, um, uh, where it was just me calling, you know, trying to get everybody who is in charge... On the phone, and I remember uh, calling up and trying to set up an interview with Dave Yost, who was the Attorney General of Ohio. Of Ohio, and um, you know, they we went back and forth, and then finally, they his press guy said you know, you know he's, he's not interested. I was like, well, how can you not be interested right, in right. I mean, that? Like do they that? even
2: have the right not to be interested? You're not Nicolas Cage. Well, the, This is, you're a public servant. You're a civil well, servant. St- I yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, Nicolas Cage is, there's an interview with Nicolas Cage in the book, though. Oh, cool. He's so no, cool. But, um, but it but, seems but, like they should be no, forced
2: to come 100%. to the media and, and talk about and what they're I, doing.
3: And then I say in the book, I become, you know, there's parts of me that can become confrontational and become a dick. And that's like one of the things that um, that you have to do as a journalist because you have to be a dick for the families. Um, And I said, uh, you know, you're going to have a big spotlight on you. You know, I'm hoping this is going to be a big book. You know, and then just waiting for him to, you know, it's like, so what do you have to say to that? And then it was a really long pause. And then he's like, have a good day. And then he hung up the phone. You know? And, yeah. And, yeah. and yeah.
5: this guy, Benjamin Marison is a old school conservative Republican. He used to be editor of the Columbus dispatch. So uh-huh. the fact that he's oh. even doing communications for Dave Yost is insane to me. I've had my own experiences with him ignoring me. His job is to deflect. And I, yeah. they just didn't understand the brevity of what you were working on or they didn't care. Well, I,
3: yeah, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both, you know, and, sure. you know, doing that, you know, having, you know, I, It's weird, too, because I had gone from working on a lot of unsolved cases and trying to work with the police to doing Long Island serial killer on Discovery and then doing this right around this during the same time period and just seeing how the the systemic issues that were happening when you have a police force that from the top obviously doesn't care. You had a vice squad that was literally raping the women and on the <sighs> other side you had a police chief on um, Long Island serial killer who was um th- there was a ton of stories about him, you know, um having relationships with uh sex workers and doing a bunch of crack and and wow. just and and you know other things that that we couldn't even go, you know, verify but uh, and then he eventually went to went to jail for you know civil rights violations and things. So I, you know it's seeing that and it's like those are just the the last two that I really dug into. <laughs> yeah. are, you know, one was Long Island, one was in Columbus. It was really like the last two that I was really in. Like, where else is this happening? Well, yep. It's happening
4: everywhere. So, so, <laughs> so Billy, how do you not think that all? cops are bastards then you know because because if they're not if they're not the ones committing these crimes mm-hmm. then they're letting them commit these crimes they're, or is it just it's just too oppressive of a force i
3: think you can, i think there's cops out there that like you know a lot of times like, like when i would call up a cop and tell them like hey i saw a video you're trying to still trying to catch this guy i have this system with social media that we could catch him and then you know i remember a couple of cops one of them was a guy in san jose that was just like wow, that sounds really interesting. Like, let's work yeah. on it. It's just like, this is a guy that, like, didn't have to do that. He was into it. You could tell that he was really into justice. Mm. Now, he's not going to go and and completely try and fight that entire system. You know, we can't have... You know, I mean, look at what happened to Serpico, you know? Mm. You know, it's like, you, you, know, you, you want that. They made a
2: movie after him. Yeah, well, they did, yeah. certainly.
3: But, um, and you want that, and we do need that, but you can't just say all cops are bastards because it, it, it's a blanket statement like that just because, yeah, you are working under... A, a regime uh, that is not even broken. It was set up like that uh, right. to be mm. completely unfair, but you still, you're still performing a service and you have yeah. to be able to do it. Well, that's so.
2: powerful. That's because we often refer to the uh, injustice system, the criminal justice system as broken, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's perfectly, it's operating perfectly. Oh I mean, yeah. <laughs> this no, is it's exactly operating. how they want it to be. The plumbing
4: operating. is in fact, you know, it's solid. all working. Yeah, great. The Plumbing works. And of course the
5: plumbers bullshit.
2: Yep. And of course, officers uh, being an extension of the tax. Well, you got Ferguson, where they were making a lot of money. I think half of that municipi- mun- municipality's uh, income was coming from citations. Yeah. That's horrible.
4: And that happens all around the country. All too. around the country, which
2: and, that needs to go away.
4: And they're still guaranteed those pensions that Billy talked about, you know, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. all of the uh, all <laughs> of it's involved, because in the end, they're kind of protecting that for themselves. Oh, Burke, right? Burke the guy from the, from
3: there was the police chief of Suffolk County for the long Island serial killer case who kicked out the FBI, who beat up a suspect prospect who had broken into who, who was a heroin addict who broke into his truck Ugh. and and stole like a bunch of uh, sex toys and things right and then he, he beat the hell out of the kid he's he's got a pension he went to jail but he's got a pension <sighs> wow.
4: oh you still get it you still get the yeah, pension right. is that what we have to change do we have to does does criminal you know,
3: uh, on, honestly money yeah money talks so <laughs> That might be something that you have to change. But again, (laughs) it's just like that lobby is just so important. Mm, And what it it comes down to, it comes down to fear. You know, it's Mm. like the same thing that we talk about with Trump. It's just like whenever I look at, at, at these politicians that kowtow to Trump that are that are Republicans, it's like. You went to you went to college for four years. You you might have gone to law school. Like you're smart and everything like that.
5: And
2: it's like, well, that's what even this more disgusting. Josh Howley, Ted Cruz, they have university, they they have have Ivy League degrees. All (laughs) four, they went to all four of
3: them. Yeah, and it's like you can't really think in any part of your body that this is right. That this is the guy. That what he's saying is right. And it's all about fear of not being in power again. Mm. And that's the biggest issue. Yeah. Killers
2: amidst killers, hunting serial killers, operating under the cloak of America's opioid epidemic. Anything else, Travis?
5: I just hope all this coverage of true crime leads to true
3: criminal justice. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Billy Jensen, check out this book as soon as it's out. It's uh, uh, it's at, expected can, to be out on July 19th.
3: You can pre-order it now, though, on... Um uh, Amazon and, or your local bookstore would be wonderful. And I am going to be doing thank a book you. tour and yeah, I'm, I'm going to be doing it in Columbus, Columbus, start, Ohio, k- kicking it off of Columbus. I'll Hell be there, yeah, baby. And it's going to be a book tour of the Midwest States. I didn't want to do, I was just like, I'm going to hit Rust Belt. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Michigan, man. Michigan. We need of stuff. you. Um, so
2: yeah. be safe out there. Be careful. It's uh easier said than done, but it is, I mean, it's almost an act of war, this fentanyl. Yeah, it is. It's disgusting. But anyway, all right, everyone Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope you're doing well out there. Uh, I don't know if it was the most uplifting, but it's important to talk yes. about because then we can make the changes exactly. that we have to make. And as Travis said, the plumbing is all there. The plumbers are messing it up. We just gotta. It's human. It's a human institution, and humans can fix it. I can end on a joke if you
4: want. Uh, oh, sure, oh, Fernando. Okay, it's a knock knock. What do sex workers and the deadliest catch have in common? What is that? They both fight crabs. Oh, there we
5: go.
2: Fernando <laughs> coming in, coming in hot. <laughs> you, you are too much, All <laughs> right, everyone, Thank you for listening. He's really spreading his wings.
4: Dude, you know, oh, you're really oh, good. Um,
2: <laughs> Hail yourselves, everyone. We'll talk to you
3: soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support